Matthew 1, 18-25, hear the word of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We ended last week with something that looked like a problem. A mistake, uh, maybe an embarrassing gaffe on Matthew's part. At least that's how it looked at first. For those of you who are here, we looked at this genealogy. And we found some interesting and fascinating aspects to this genealogy of Jesus. But we determined that what Matthew was doing was trying to show that uh, Jesus was in the line of King David. Now, the significance of that, as we saw, was that God had promised to David that he would always have an heir to be reigning on the throne. But the Davidic dynasty ended when the Babylonians came in 586 B.C. and raised Jerusalem to the ground. So what happened to the Davidic dynasty? What happened to this heir of David? Well, what Matthew is saying, that that dynasty has continued and he has an heir who's sitting on the throne and his heir's name is Jesus. So far, so good. However, in verse 16, at the end of this genealogy, there's something that looks kind of like a bait and switch. In verse 16, it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Now, the problem is this. The problem is all through this genealogy, he's tracing the the family line of Joseph. And he says that Joseph is descended from David. And then right in verse 16, he makes the admission that Jesus wasn't the biological son of Joseph after all. He was born of Mary. So this looks like there's something of a problem here at the end. And now in this last section that we read today, he actually makes it worse at first. He makes it worse because he describes exactly how Jesus' birth took place. But then by the end of it, you'll see a fascinating way in which he brings it all together. So let's see what he does with this as he explains the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, Joseph and Mary... Verses 18 to 20, it says that they are 18 and 19, it says that he was betrothed. Jesus, or Joseph was betrothed to Mary. Now, betrothal in those days was something stronger than our engagement, but weaker than marriage. 
So marriage is basically the same concept then and now, but betrothal was a, a, a step that was different. We get engaged, and then if somewhere along the way, one or the other or both decide, hey, this is not going to work, not going to be a great idea, we just simply say, okay, we're not engaged anymore, maybe give back the ring and call off the, the, the plans. But betrothal was actually a commitment. It was a commitment to become married within a year. And uh, they had many of the obligations of a married couple, but they did not live together as a married couple. But it was a, it was a legal arrangement. And the only way to break a betrothal was by divorce. And if it turned out that somebody, one of the parties, the betrothed parties, was unfaithful during that year period of betrothal, the only way to break it was by a, a legal divorce. So that's the background. Now... It turned out that something very surprising happened. It says that when they were betrothed, it turned out that Mary was pregnant. Now, of course, that would be a very difficult situation for any couple to handle, and it describes Joseph as being a just man. Now, being a just man, he wanted to do the legal thing, the right thing, and the legal thing, the right thing to do, was to divorce her. It turns out also, though, he was a compassionate man, and it says he was unwilling to put her to shame. So what he decided to do was to do the right thing, the legal thing, and to go ahead and divorce her because of the apparent unfaithfulness. Um, But he decided to do it quietly, to have as, as private a divorce as possible so that as few of people would find out as possible, although it's sort of hard to to cover those things up, and but he was trying to protect her as much as he could. Now, um, in Luke, we find out that Mary had information that Joseph didn't have. Uh, there was a, an appearing of an angel in Luke to Mary, and then an appearing of an angel to Joseph in Matthew. So Mary had information, and the information was that her pregnancy was it was a miraculous pregnancy. It was a pregnancy that that God brought about without the agency of a human father. It was a pregnancy that God, the Holy Spirit, had effected miraculously in Mary. But think about that. Think about her trying to explain that to Joseph. How would that go over? She turns up pregnant during the betrothal period and she says, God did it? So you can see how how difficult this situation would be and incredible it would be to Joseph and to everyone else that she would be, in a sense, blaming God for her situation. But in the midst of this difficulty, it says that an angel then appeared to Joseph as well. Look at verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And how did he address him? Joseph, what? Son of David. Son of David. Once again, Matthew is emphasizing that Joseph is of the line of David. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he says the same thing to Joseph as the angel had said to Mary earlier. So he says, uh, he, she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So let's think about this a little bit. 
So the, the son that will be born is to be born of Mary, who conceived by the Holy Spirit. But then the angel says, you, to Joseph, you will call him Jesus. Let me ask you something. Who names children? The parents named children, but in those days, it was the father who named children. So what's the, what's the angel saying to Joseph? Don't be afraid to marry Mary, but also don't be afraid to take the son of Mary as your own son. Don't be afraid to adopt because you will be the one who gives him his name. You will take the father's role. You will adopt him. You will call him your own. You will name this son and you will name him Jesus. Now this name, Jesus, was a very common name. Very common name in those days. So, by the way, don't get alarmed when uh, some tomb shows up that says, Jesus, son of Joseph, is buried here. Sometimes people come up with these. There are probably many, many Jesus, sons of Joseph throughout uh, the uh, and their tombs as well. And sometimes archaeologists come upon these and, and people get all, all uh, concerned because there are dead bones in there. But don't, don't be concerned about that. This is sort of, sort of calling uh, like John, son of Mike. You know, this is, this is, these are very common names in those days. But this name Jesus it means, even as the angel says, this name Jesus comes from the name of God, the personal name of God in the Old Testament, which we don't know how to pronounce it, uh, but it's something like Yahweh, and uh, it means Yahweh saves. So that's the name that Joseph is to give to this son, Yahweh saves, the Lord saves. Now, why is he to receive that name? It says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That would possibly have been something of a disappointment to the Jewish people. And we saw last week that Matthew is writing particularly to a Jewish audience. And then he he announces that here's the son of David, here's the the chosen one, here's the anointed one, here's the Messiah, here's the king to reign on the throne, and he is going to save his people from their sins. That was not probably what they were hoping. They were probably hoping to hear this. He will bear a son, you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from the Romans. That's what they're expecting. That, that finally, this, the son of David was going to come, he was going to reestablish the throne of David, and he was going to throw off the Romans. They tried to throw off the Greeks, they couldn't do it. Now they're going to try to throw off the Romans. Turns out they couldn't do that either, but they were, they were expecting the Messiah to come and, and do that for them. And now they get this, this message that the Messiah is coming to save them from their sins. That probably looked like something of a letdown, something of a disappointment, that that's all he's going to do. He's he's not going to really take care of our big problem. And that's sometimes how we are, isn't it? We misidentify what are our big problems and what are our little problems. In the scheme of things, being subjugated by the Romans wasn't the biggest problem that the people of God had. Being subjugated by their own sins that separated them from God, that was the very biggest problem that they had, and that's the very biggest problem that we have. But sometimes we can get disappointed with God 
with Jesus because we say, this is my problem. I'm lonely, or I don't have enough uh, in my bank account, or, or I don't like my job, and I'm expecting that, that God would save me from these things. These are my problems. These are the things that eat at me every day. And then we find out that, well, He may save us from those things. He may change those things in our life. It might be, but He's actually come in order to deal with our biggest problem that we may not recognize is our biggest problem, but our biggest problem is separation from God, and that's a self-imposed separation that we have brought about because of our sins. And so actually, this is an, an amazing announcement. This is not a disappointment. This is upping the ante. He, he's not come just to, to save us from some temporary problems that we might identify as excruciating and difficult as those problems might be in our lives. He's come to get to the root of the problem. He's come to, the, to really to deal with that which ultimately is able to destroy us and keep us eternally separated from God. So this is, this is good news. This is the best news that the Messiah has come, and He has come to save His people from our sins. Now, after that, we have the first of many quotations from the Old Testament. As we said, Matthew is writing to whom? Particularly to the Jews. And so, if you're going to convince a Jewish person that Jesus is the Messiah, how do you argue? You argue by quoting the Old Testament. And that's what Matthew does, and this is the first of his many quotations of the Old Testament. As you read Matthew, Matthew, you'll find this took place to fulfill what was written by, and then he quotes the Old Testament. Here's the first one of those. All of this took place, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And this is the verse we read from Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you go back and look at the, the, the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, it was a, a specific historical situation. But what Matthew gleans out of that, takes out of that specific historical situation, was that there would be a miracle son who would be born. And he would be born in a very unusual way. The word in the Old Testament is a word that's not quite the word virgin, but it's never used for a married woman. It's a, it's a young maiden. And so Matthew interprets it as the virgin, and that's how our translation has it in the Old Testament as well. That a virgin would conceive a, a miracle child, and this miracle child would bring about redemption for God's people. And they shall call His name Emmanuel. And now, once again, we have an interpretation of a name. Jesus, what's that mean? The Lord saves. And now we have Emmanuel, which Matthew tells us means God with us. So here, if you have put these two names together, we have the identity of Jesus, who is He, and we have the mission of Jesus, why He came. The identity of Jesus... Who is He? He is God with us. Why did He come? He came to save His people from our sins. If we keep reading, we find that Joseph did exactly what he was commanded. Verse 24, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. They didn't consummate the marriage 
until after she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, there's an interesting evolution of pronouns here. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 7, it says that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call his name Emmanuel. So who's doing the calling? The virgin's doing the calling, calling her son's name Emmanuel. Then Matthew quotes, or rather, I'm sorry, uh, Joseph receives the instruction from the angel uh, and, and says, uh, says to him in verse 21, she will bear a son and you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus. And then in verse 23, the quotation is a little bit of a variation here. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And what's the pronoun? And they, people, shall call his name Jesus. So Isaiah says the virgin will call his name. The angel says to Joseph, you shall call his name. Matthew quotes Isaiah saying, they shall call his name. And then we find in verse 25, who in the end calls his name? It says, and he, Joseph, called his name Jesus. Now, what does this mean? This means that Joseph adopted Jesus. He's the one. He's the father. He's the one who names the son. He adopted Jesus into his family. And if he adopted Jesus into his family, he adopted him into whose family? Into David's family. Do you see how this solves the the, the problem? The problem was, how can we... How can he be the heir of the throne of David if he's not from the line of David? Well, the answer is is that he was adopted into the line of David as, Je- as Joseph called his name Jesus. Now, some people say that Mary was also of the line of David. And that may be so, although as far as I can tell, that's not something that we can prove. But how does this sit with us? How does this sit with us that Jesus is of the line of David through adoption? Let me ask you something. Is adoption good enough? Is adoption good enough for a child to be a real child? You see, if we are to say, well, that's not quite good enough, we really need for him to be a biological child in order to be a real child, then we are going to have a fight on our hands with every parent who has adopted a child and every child who has been adopted. Because we are revealing that we don't understand what adoption's about. Adoption means that a child becomes a real child of the family into which he was adopted. So how did Jesus enter into the line of David? Maybe he was a biological child, but whether he was or not, he was adopted into that line. And so he became a real child of Joseph and a real child of David and the heir to all the promises that God had made, eternal promises to King David. But you know what else? His being adopted into the line, the human line of Joseph and David also reveals something fascinating about why he came. And that is so that we might be adopted into a family to which we did not belong previously. Paul explains it like this in Galatians. And notice how he tells the Christmas story. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, it's on page 1076. 
Paul explains the coming of, of Jesus into the world. His coming in the fullness of time. 1076, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What are we finding here? We're finding that the Son of God was adopted by a human father so that we humans might be adopted by the Heavenly Father. And how do we become adopted? How was Jesus adopted? Jesus was adopted by by Joseph naming Him. How do we become adopted? Well, Paul tells us right before in chapter 3, Galatians, verse 26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. That's how we become children of God. Real children of God. True children of God. Through faith in Jesus. The One who was adopted in the human family so that we might be adopted into God's. Let's pray. Our God, we thank You for the glory of adoption that a child becomes a true and real and permanent part of the adopting family. And we thank You for Joseph, for Mary, each of whom played his or her part. We thank You for Mary's obedience. We thank You for Joseph's obedience. And we thank You that Joseph adopted Jesus so that He might be the heir to all the promises to David. And so there might be an heir of David reigning on the throne forever. We thank You that He came that You sent forth Your Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us who are under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. And I pray for all of us in this place and all who are hearing the Gospel message preached today that You would work faith in our hearts so that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters and become Your true, Your real, Your permanent sons and daughters. And we pray this in the name of the Son of David, the Son of Joseph, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.